0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Nehemiah 2.18, it says this, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the King had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. I want you to say that. Let us rise up. I'm say, let us rise up, let us rise up. And, build. and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I think that it's living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the spirit and the soul, between bone and marrow. I think you're just a discerner of the intention of our heart. I thank you today, Lord, that we as humble servants that are here gathered together, assembled together, I thank you some, Father, today may be in a place where they're lacking in faith. I thank you others may be in a place where they're supercharged in faith. Lord, I thank you that today that one another, we can encourage, we can build upon what's in us, but also we can grow, Father God, out of things that we need to grow out of. I thank you today that we as a church will rise up. We are rising up as a body of believers in the Mornington Peninsula. We are rising up collectively. We are rising up individually for our home, for our family. Lord, I thank you, and we will build. We will build, Father. We won't just rise up and do nothing, but God, we will rise up and build. So I thank you for a body today that is in this region that is saying it is our turn to rise up and build. We see the destruction, we see the rubble, we see the ruins. But we don't just see it and just sit and do nothing. But, God, we see it through the eyes of faith and say we can do something about it through Christ Jesus. Because all things are possible to those who believe. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. The central idea today is it's time to rise up and build. I've been holding on to this message for a while. So if I sound... Preachy, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm ready to explode with just the amount of stuff God's put in my heart for this because there's so much in this for us today, prophetically speaking. I can see a church today. When I look out today, I see a church that is ready to do God's will, that is ready to build what he has called us to build. I don't see a weak church when I look out at you. I don't see a church that is barely making it. I see a church that is saying, God, if you call me to build it, I'll build it. God, if you call me to it, I'll do it. Come on. That's what I see today. I see a church through the eyes of faith. And we must do the same. We must look at our own personal life and say, you know what? I don't see it for what it is, but for what God says it can be. I don't see it for what it is, but what he says it can be, because ultimately his word trumps everything that I feel, everything that I see in the natural. Come on, do you have the eyes of faith today? Now we know that faith comes by the word of God. Faith comes by a word. By hearing that word, though, you got to hear it. And as you hear it, you got to let it get deep within you to produce... Faith, Because a lot of times God's word speaks to us, but we're not hearing it. You can read and read and still feel the same way. But we must get to that place where as you read, you see it in faith that it is applying to your life. That it is working for your life. Because when I say it's time to rise up and build... Only people of faith will actually hear that and then do it. See, we need to build what is His. That's what kingdom building is. Jesus preached the kingdom everywhere He went. And that same center message, that same gospel that He preached, guess what? We preach today. We are preaching the kingdom of God. And what is in that kingdom? Life. Come on, say life. Life. Peace Peace. And and joy. And who does that come through? The Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Now, how do you get the Holy Spirit to dwell in you? Salvation. So the good news is salvation. Notice that when salvation happens in your life, it takes care of everything else. It's a domino effect. You get born again, you get set free, you get made alive. And as you walk with him, as this nature is being changed into the image of Christ, as you're renewing your mind, you begin to believe what he believes. You begin to see how he sees. And ultimately, you get to a place where you trust in him fully. Come on, fully confident that what God has spoken, what he has promised, He is able to perform, Romans chapter 4. We see many people in the Bible that were given a word by God and that fulfilled that word through only faith. Anytime God gave a word, it was always met with faith. When it wasn't met with faith, God's word went to someone else. When it wasn't met with obedience, God's word went to someone else. Think of King Saul. He lost everything that was given to him because of his disobedience. And because of his disobedience, God gave it to someone else named David. In the same way, if his church will not take his word and do it and be obedient to his word, it will go to the next church. Now let me help you because I already know and I feel it in my heart. We have two different types of churches. You have the universal church and you have a local church. I'm not speaking about the universal church. I'm speaking about the local church where God has called and set you and set us to affect a physical region in the area. Amen? Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Because there are local churches all around the world that God has put and set for changing that place. We should be the place where we are the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, where people come and get set free changed, and ultimately go back out into the streets and proclaim the same good news that they heard themselves. How can they hear if there's not a preacher sent? But if a church doesn't preach, we ain't gonna be sending anybody out. Because there's no one to be sent because they're not hearing. See, today, we must understand that God has given us a word. We must get to the place like Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard about his people. He heard about his nation. He heard, and ultimately what it brought him to was a place of mourning. He was deeply troubled. He was hurt And it led him into prayer and fasting. We have become so desensitized to the world today. We can watch a movie that murders people. We can watch movies that show pornography and perversion and pass by it like it's nothing. They say, it's just the world. It's okay. The enemy has desensitized the church To where Christians participate in what the world does. We can drive by abortion clinics and think it's okay. And we think that being silent is the answer. But nowhere biblically do you see that. See God is taking a remnant, a people. Raising them up to have a voice. But if you will not stand up or rise up they'll go to somebody else but see what we like to do is we like to be like two men that you see within the Bible in this story of Nehemiah they have two different names one Sanballat and one Tobiah and these two guys All they did was criticize what Nehemiah was doing. And see, if we become like this where we see all the bad things and we just say, oh man, somebody needs to do something about that. You see all the bad? Man, I can't believe what's on TV. I can't believe what's going on in our country. I can't believe what's going on in our region. I can't believe what's going on on the peninsula. Yeah, you can talk and say all that, but will you do something? I'm done talking. I want to build. I want to labor. I want to do the work. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to feel the sweat on my back and on my brow because we've been working and building the kingdom of God. We can do it for earthly things, but how much more should we do it for heavenly things? See, vision is what we're talking about. And with the vision, we must take hold of the vision, run with it. And we must build from that vision that God gives us. Again, it starts with pursuing God. This isn't a man-made vision. This isn't Jacob's thoughts and ideas from a journal written into a format and say, all right, let's go do it. No, this is a vision prophetically given to us by God to go and do the work, to go and build, to go in and establish his church on this region. We are establishing his church. See, vision is founded in faith. This is where we trust in God and he gives us his plan and also the tools to do his will. How many know that God will give you the resources and the provision and the tools to do what he's called you to do? How do you know God's in it? There's provision. That simple. There's no provision. God's not in it. Now, there may be some, a season where you have to stand and lay hold of the word of God and hold fast to that word and learn how to go through the process of time and seasons. Come on. Because sometimes we're not willing to go long enough in a season of drought. Sometimes we're not able to go through a season of suffering. Some people call it a wilderness season. But I believe personally in my heart right now, we're not in a season like that at all. I believe we're in a season of harvest. And I said at the beginning of the year, and harvest doesn't look like downtime. Harvest looks like work. And we are working for the Lord because he has so graciously given us the tools to do so. Vision has to come from a place where we are belonging or grounded in him. Vision Is where we are strengthened because we know that we belong to him. Come on. As I belong to him, I'm strong in him. And so the vision that he's called us to or me to and you to ultimately collectively together, we're able to do it because we are strong. We're not weak. We're not barely getting by. This is why we as a church are healthy because we belong in him. And today, vision is going to take you building what is his and seeing how he sees, and ultimately having eyes of faith. See, because Nehemiah was a man of vision, when he saw the piles of crumbled stones and he saw the walls, it would have looked terrible. Because you got to think about it they built the temple. They built a foundation, then they came back and built a temple, and then 60 years later is when they went out to build the walls. No one in their right mind built the walls. It was a hard task. I guarantee you that when the people of Jerusalem would look at that, they would say, how is this going to be done? Look at this. But see, Nehemiah was different because the hand of God was on him, meaning he was anointed to do so. See, sometimes we don't do things, or let me say it this way. Sometimes we are not able to fulfill things because there's not an anointing to do it. We want to do somebody else's thing, what God's called them to do, when we're not staying focused on what we need to do. What if God didn't anoint you to do that thing that you're trying to do? See, the reason why Nehemiah, out of every person, and he was just a servant, he was just a cupbearer, was able to do what God called him to do. Or Sorry, what he was able to do, the work, is because God called him to do the work. God anointed him to do the work. God put his hand on him. God blessed him. God provided for him. God gave him favor to do so. See, he saw the piles of crumbled stones and he saw the walls all destroyed. Looking at the ashes, seeing the new gates, he saw things other men could not see. See, God's anointed this house. God's anointed you. Can you see what no other person can see? Oh, yeah, Maureen's Vanessa. There's a lot of agnostic atheism. Why would you ever build a church here? Go to the city. It's going to be a lot easier. God's not here on the peninsula. What do you see today? Some people just say some of the craziest things. But they say it because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. If that's the case, then how much more does this region need God? I'm just too scared. I'm worried I'm going to be looked differently. You'll never accomplish anything if you're scared of criticism. I don't know anyone that's accomplished anything that didn't have criticism the whole way. Yeah. Even Jesus did. If you're worried about what they're gonna say, you'll be silent. But if you don't care what the masses say, and you just run it with God in obedience and faithfulness, in love, and humility, in honor, not to worry about what people say. Sometimes you probably need to cut away from social media just to break away from that whole idea of being liked and loved and just get to the place with the Father. And this is why it's so important to train our children up, not in the social media world. Just because the world's doing it doesn't mean we have to do it. I have an eight-year-old son. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm not gonna let him do things that probably the majority of people will do. You said, well, you're keeping him from things. No, I'm not. I'm saving him from things. And he's going to understand it. See, God always uses people who can see beyond what seems to be. I guarantee you if Nehemiah would have said, well, his brother brought the word to him and said, I don't know how we're going to do it. I mean, who am I? I'm just a cupbearer. I'm under the authority of the king. Man, if the king, have you ever thought about, if, come on, how many of you have read this a little bit and gave some thought to it? When you read Nehemiah 2, his body language is what signaled the king to ask him the question, what's wrong? The reality is, if the king would have solved that, now look, he had favor on his life. But if any other time Nehemiah would have been like that, the king would have killed him because he wasn't acting a certain way. He wasn't being presentable. But because of the Lord of God, Lord God's hand on him and the anointing on him, there was favor. But any other time, he would have been killed. Because when you serve under the king, you come perfect, ready to serve, no issue. You don't get an opportunity to have any complaint. You're serving. But because of the favor of God upon his life and the anointing and the hand of God on him, because we even see Nehemiah out of his own mouth. And a second, he says, the hand of God is all upon me. The king cared for what he cared for, even so much to where he provided everything that he needed. The same king that said, stop the building, stop, says, you can go do it, though. You hear what I'm saying? When people are denied, don't allow and assume that you're going to be denied. When people don't get their way, don't assume that you're not going to get it. When people don't get the job, when people don't get the business deals, when people don't get anything, let me help you. Because you are God's chosen people. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked are laid up or stored up for the righteous. We cannot gauge our own life by the world. You gauge it by the word of God. You gauge it by the anointing of God upon your life. How many believe that you are anointed by God? The Bible even says that the anointed lives in you, the anointing, and it will teach you and train you in how to live. Come on, there's an anointing of God upon this house. One of the things that we see that a church, a body, has an anointing on them to do what God's called them to do. And God will give it to us prophetically, and he has given us a prophetic word of harvest. It's for his church, Pursuit Church, the people of this church, to go out and to reap up of the harvest. See, God uses people who can see beyond what it may be, and he grasps the vision of a greater reality. Meaning, Nehemiah grasped a vision of a greater reality. There is a greater reality today within your life. How do you see your life today? You may look at your marriage and say, man, it's crumbled. You may look at relationships and say, my God. You may look at your job. You may look at your own life, your own struggles, your own addictions and say, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do this. Or you can be like Nehemiah, look beyond what it seems to be, and grasp the vision of a greater reality. And what is that greater reality? It's faith. Faith in his word. That is the essence of faith. Where it's not wishful thinking, maybe he'll do it. No, it's saying, this is a reality for my life. Faith in his word. It's a greater reality than what I'm living today. Whether you're sick in your body, whether you have need today, there is a greater reality. See, God can get any answer to you through faith. But if you don't have faith in him, it's going to be hard to receive of the promise. See, this is why me personally, I'm not afraid to step out in faith. Because I know success or failure in my life does not depend on my own skill or even my own external circumstances. It depends only on my faithfulness to him, my committedness to him, my consistency in him. See, God will give you the gifts necessary to do whatever he calls you to do. And he will not be hindered in his work by anything. Do you hear me today? He won't be hindered by anything, anyone. God had a plan for the people of Jerusalem, for that nation. Now, it didn't look like that because they are in the city of Susa and other places all around under pagan gods, evil, that were trying to keep them at bay. But because of God's word, because of God's purpose, even Satan couldn't stop it. See, the Satan thinks that he's winning right now. In all reality, we know what happens. His time will be up. But even in this life on earth today, you can live like his time's already up in your own personal life. You don't have to give him any room anymore. Why go on living as a Christian and being dominated by the enemy? You don't have to be. You don't have to be. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No life that formed against you shall prosper. There's a couple of scriptures for you. Nehemiah 2, 5 through 12. I'm going to read this real quick. Verse 5. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight... That you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Verse 6. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside me. It's uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. It's Old Testament. I'll let him get there for a second. Verse, let's do 6. And I'm reading now the ESV. Switch it up on you guys a little bit. And It's up there. Yeah. Thanks, man. So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Verse 7. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. Verse 8. And a letter to Asaph, Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. Say Ocupy. occupy. Man, I can just preach a message right there. We are occupying this region. Amen. We're no longer just going to let it be deserted and act like no one's here. I've had people ask me, "Is there's a church over there? When I'm talking to people at the gym or other places, like, I never heard of Pursuit Church. So many people. We need to change that. That means we affect the community. And the king granted me what I asked. Why? Right here. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Oh, if you would only believe today. If you would only just stand in his word. If you would only trust in what he says. How many know that the good hand of God is upon you? You say, how do I know that? I don't feel that. But you're right, you'll never have it if you don't if you try to go by feeling. How do I know that? Have you seen my life? Do you know what I'm experiencing? Do you know what I've gone through? Oh man, if I could only tell you, we've all gone through things. Again, the hand of God is upon you. Actually, he is in you. We know that through. The New Testament, because of the new covenant we have through Christ Jesus, that we have been given a far better covenant with better and greater promises. Amen? Amen. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament was only on a few. Today, He's in every single one of us. Meaning, the presence of God, the very authority, the very power of God is in you today. Meaning, you don't have to be some great person, some great preacher. To have an anointing. I get tired of people saying, man, I'm the anointed. I'm the man of God. I understand the sentiment. But let me help you. Don't use it in a place of pride. Walk in humility. Because in all reality, we are the people of God. We are the children of God. And we may walk and do things that are different functions and roles, but that don't make us greater. Verse 9 says, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king has sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sinballat and Hor- the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Look at that. There's always going to be somebody that's not going to like what you do. Oh, I, that ain't going to work. I've seen it happen with this other couple. It didn't work with them. Don't listen to it. If Nehemiah would have listened to Tobiah and Sanballat, he never would have done what God called him to do. Ultimately, what you're going to see is they try to kill him four times. They try to murder him. But Nehemiah, through the wisdom of God and being led by the Spirit of God, didn't fall into the trap. See, what would happen when you were led by the Spirit of God doing his will? You won't fall into the trap. You won't quit. You won't give up. I don't know of any church that can do that in this region. Just watch and see. Verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Verse 12. Then I arose in the night. Man, I love this part of this passage. I had a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. If we would just hear this for our own personal life, there are some things that God has given you and put in you that no one needs to know. I know too many people that tell people what God has given them and what ends up happening, those people that they tell End up speaking into them negatively. And then they begin to believe it because they love them and care for those people. And it allows them, or it takes them from a place of being distracted and ultimately saying, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs to get wise counsel. But some of the counsel you're getting is not wise. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. He said, "I told no one. I didn't tell anybody. Why? Because they weren't able to receive of it yet. They wouldn't be able to respond the same way He responded. They didn't have the heart for it yet. And when I read this, I understand what he means. because I've talked to people about things personally and corporately as a church, the response is completely different than mine, right? Oh, I didn't know we were going to be doing those things. I mean, we're going to have to work. It's going to take my time. It's going to pull me away from things. But I got to work out tonight. It's never convenient to serve God. It costs. It costs. It will cost everything. And that's why few people want to give up. And I'm going to prove it to you that it costs something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, For we are all God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 verse 12 now now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and straw verse 13 each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and in the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work has any if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward verse 15 if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You don't have to turn here, but in Luke chapter 14, verse 26 through 30. And I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 3 in a second. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother, father, and wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my own disciple. Whoever, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see him or see it begin to mocking, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. God will frequently call a person to a task for which you, he, she are not humanly, humanly qualified to do. Counting the cost is a way of eliminating those who are not really called. Let's write a series of scriptures about building. And Jesus in his own words said, who builds a tower but does not count the cost? Nehemiah counted the cost. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, we are God's fellow workers. Say fellow workers. <laughs> Meaning we work together. With God. All of us. You are God's field, God's building. Talking about your life. He's talking about your life. Come on, let me know that you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, he's talking about himself, Paul, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, think of this. Paul said, I laid a foundation of you, in you. I've given you the word. I've raised you. I've trained you. I've equipped you. And now, someone's going to begin to build on that. And Now, determining who builds on that and who you allow to build upon your life is going to be a deciding factor of a few will be able to stand against the pressures of life. He talks about how there's buildings built on gold, silver, precious stones, and then another wood, hay, and straw. When fire comes, well, we know that fire is going to destroy wood, hay, and straw. But when fire comes, it's going to refine gold, silver, and precious stones. Meaning, today, there has been a foundation laid in your life of who Jesus Christ is, of who you are in Christ, of Jesus, the Lord, or the head of the church through God, our Lord and Savior. Amen? There is a foundation in you. And he is the base of where you stand and live your life from. But how you build upon that revelation is going to determine when hardships come, when pressures come, how You will face those things. Will you overcome, or will they overcome you? Do you know his word? Are you grounded in him? Are you seated in him? And how do you know you are? Because when the fire comes, and there's always a test in the fire, fire will always come. When it comes, are you still left standing? When the hardship comes, are you still standing? See, Nehemiah, he saw the walls just completely destroyed. This city has been destroyed. And the people weren't standing anymore. But with great faith, he said, you know what? We can build it. See, today you may be in a place where your life has been built on wood, hay, and straw. It hasn't lasted. I want to encourage you, get into a place where you are building your house, your life, On gold, silver, and precious stones, meaning something that will last. Something that will last. Jesus said in Luke 14, whoever does not bear his own cross, in verse 27, and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost. Have you counted the cost today? Maybe you have and you said, that's why I don't want any part of it. And if that's where you are, I'm going to help you and say you need to change your heart. Maybe you've counted the cost and said, you know what? I, I like my life. I don't want to suffer any loss. But what are you holding on to you you think that's going to give you any gain in life? Money? Friendship? Time? Because in all reality, you'll lose time when you just waste it. Time is always moving. And how you use your time, wasted or effectively. Because you can waste time, amen? I mean, we live in a, a beautiful part of the world where we have luxuries. Man, we, we can sit back and binge watch a Netflix show for nine hours Gain nothing absolutely from it. You learned about a few characters, and you'll probably forget about the show in a couple of years, because it'll be a new one, I guarantee you, in six months. Oh, Stepping on some toes, I know. <laughs> My toes are being stepped on, too. <laughs> Talking about rising up and building. Anytime that someone preaches like this, I know what the effect is. People say, are you saying I can't have good things? We ultimately begin to justify what we do. And we ultimately get to go to a far extreme and say, oh, I can't have any pleasures in life. i got to be this you know, sad and suffered Christian that's barely making it. I didn't say that at all. <laughs> I didn't say that. You can have pleasure in life. You can enjoy family, friends, life itself. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what you're living for, what have you gained, the Bible says. Look at this. He says, I told no one what God put in my heart. Neither my too. There was no animal with me but the one to which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to Dragon Spring into the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and his gates that had been destroyed by fire. Notice, he's looking at it. One of the things about ministry, if you feel called to ministry, I want to help you real quick. Just a real little segue into this. There's two different types of ministry that is needed. Spiritual ministry and practical ministry. You need both. And What is the difference between the two? I'm going to tell you real quick. I just feel this in my heart to say this. I wasn't going to. Let me just go to another note real quick. Because spiritually speaking, I think a lot of people, especially within our church, we're spiritual people. But one of the things that you see with the building of the temple and the building of the walls is Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra and Nehemiah were both spiritual But Ezra focused more so on the spiritual side of ministry, meaning he raised the men up through teaching of the Torah, through teaching the word to them. Nehemiah's focus was practical ministry, building the walls, getting permits, getting the uh, resources. He was focusing on practical. And in order for a church to fulfill what God's called us to do, it must be both practical and yet spiritual as well. We We must have both. Because what happens when we have one or the other, I'll show you. Anything commanded by the Lord and done for the Lord is ministry. Everybody agree? Definitely. Fully spiritual, and it's not secular in any way. And God often has ordinary practical ministry done to pave the way for spiritual ministry. For example, God made the world. What did he do when he made the world? He put people in it. God also made our body, and then he put our souls in them. God later had the temple built, and he put the Holy Spirit in the holies of holies. The Holy Spirit filled it. God also has people gathered together through the book of Acts. And what does he do? Before falling on them, right, he organized them together, and then his spirit fell upon them. See, healthy ministry requires spirit-filled leaders who are called and gifted in both practical and spiritual ministry. This is a good understanding. Not all the work that we do in our own specific roles will be like others. Where there is practical ministry without spiritual ministry, you have beautiful, well kept church buildings that are void of any life of the Spirit of God. What does that mean? When it's just a man made organization. I got a beautiful building, got nice walls, got nice stages, got nice lights. Got a fantastic, man, we spent 20 grand on our coffee shop. We run it throughout the week. But if there's no spirit in there, it's lifeless. Practical ministry's there, but spiritual ministry's not there. When spiritual ministry is done without practical ministry, people are getting bored again. We're worshiping, we're praying, we're interceding, but a lot of the resources that we have are wasted because we don't steward it well. There's a negative side to that as well. Think of practical ministry as a rudder and a spiritual ministry as a sail. Together they bring tremendous power that presses forward into a destination. If either the rudder of the sail is missing, then there's not much progress or power will be happening. See, we see this within Nehemiah. That he was very practical but also he was spiritual. We must understand as a body that we must be both. Meaning that we can pray for God to fill the building, but until we do something, he won't fill it. Because we know ultimately God gives the increase, but what happened at, before the increase, Apollos, or Paul planted, Apollos watered. There was work, practical work. Practical work, spiritual work. And as they did so, Paul and Apollos, what happened? God brought the increase. Nehemiah was given a vision, go build. Practical ministry, and what happened? God got involved in it. He trusted in God. He prayed, spiritual ministry, come on. And because of that, He was able to do and fulfill what God called him to do. I'm almost done. And he says that he went up in the night by the valley, verse 15 of Nehemiah 2, and inspected the wall, and he turned back and entered by the valley gate. And so on he returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were there to do the work. Verse 17 And then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. In verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God that was upon me for good. Now look, he's talking to the priests. He's talking to the nobles, the officials, to the Jews. And he begins to tell them that God's hand is on me. And it says, and also the words of the king have spoken to me. He's saying, I got favor from even the king. He's provided for us because of God's hand on me. And they said, who said? Who? Not him, they. Can you see it? Because of the hand of God that was on Nehemiah, because of the favor that he had with the king, because of God's hand on him, they said. See, it could have been anybody else that tried to go there and say, hey, let's go build. And I guarantee you, no one would have said, yeah, let's do it. It was because of the anointing of God upon his life. It was because what God ordained, it was because what God had purposed that the people that were ultimately destroyed, that were barely making it, said, you know what? We can see the faith in you. We can see the hand of God upon you. We can see the anointing. We can see it. We see the vision, now we're gonna run with the vision. So they didn't didn't have to wait for him to say, let's build. They said, let's rise up and build. Let's do it. We're here, we're all in. We believe you, we trust you. Before the work, though, look at that. They said, let's rise up and build. And see, this is what I'm calling the church. We must rise up and build. There's an anointing of God on this house, whether you see it or acknowledge it. There's an anointing of God on this house to do the work, to build his kingdom. And you're going to have to make a choice and decision in your heart Will you rise up and build. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.